The Human Podcast features weekly service audio from the Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia. Please visit us at human.org. congregation, and on behalf of our worship leader today, Rollin Mathis, our Reverend Dave Dunn, our Director of Religious Exploration, Lexi Brown, Music Director, Alex Peach, my fellow worship associates, and our dedicated technical team making today's live stream possible, it's my great pleasure to welcome all of you to Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation, which we affectionately call Human. We would like to acknowledge that the land upon which this congregation is situated is the former home of the Muscogee and Cherokee nations and those who've gone before them. No matter who you are, whom you love, or where you are on your spiritual journey, you are welcome here. Okay, this year you can make a direct difference in the life of an undocumented student in Atlanta Freedom University is a college prep freedom school for undocumented students in Georgia, and they would like your help providing transportation, instruction, and fundraising assistance. Volunteer drivers are needed for Saturday in-person classes that take place from 11 to 3. These are tremendously fulfilling and highly needed volunteer roles. Please contact Reverend Dave if you're interested in participating. Our call to worship this morning is called Being Human Means We Are of This Earth and is written by Sweet Home Teacup. May we recognize and abandon the familiar attitudes and practices that do not serve the whole. We are who we are and we have the opportunity to be who we want to be, to create a new inheritance for the future. May our thoughts, words, and actions in our daily lives assist in dismantling paradigms of oppression and suffering. May we give thanks for our individual place in time and space to our families and our relationships that touch and change us. May we give thanks to the wise teachers who help us remember how to be and the chance to make it so. Underneath and within these stories and histories is our humanity. Being human means we are of this earth. We are these waters. We are fire and atmosphere. We are the sun and the moon and the stars. We are all that we see, and the wisdom is revealed by looking in between. Hi, I'm Roland Manthus, a member of this congregation. Today's ancestral reading is from the Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, Book of Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before God with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? 
Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This ends the reading of the ancient uh, words inspired by the ancient and still ongoing search for truth and meaning. Our second reading this morning is The Orchard by Mary Oliver. I have dreamed of accomplishment. I have fed ambition. I have traded nights of sleep for a length of work. Lo, and I have discovered how soft bloom turns to green fruit, which turns to sweet fruit. Lo, and I have discovered all winds blow cold at last, and the leaves, so pretty, so many, vanish in the great black packet of time, in the great black packet of ambition, and the ripeness of the apple is its downfall. which I very much need before I speak in public. <laughs> Anyhow, um, welcome everyone. It's uh, Sunday morning story time, which is brought to you by Second Hour Programming. And have we got some great deals for y'all starting this fall? You're going to love the prices. Alex, cue the advertising jingle, please. Meow, 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 meow. 
Yep, yeah. You have to have an advertising jingle when you're selling something to make sure everybody's properly brain dead, so they're highly suggestible. So uh, we picked that one. Anyhow, uh, what I want to do is very briefly talk about the second hour programming, our adult classes, 11, 15. Uh, those aren't the only classes we've got. We've some, some that meet like online at other times of the week. I'm going to confine myself to that, give you a very broad overview, and then I want to spend the rest of the time talking about a new offering that we've got coming up um, starting next month. Well, actually, you're going to get a free sample today. All right. Generally speaking, uh, 1115, our adult classes, we have two types. We have study groups, uh, generally around social justice, earth ministry, UU thought and history, that sort of thing. Uh, and then, we, and these are like four or five weeks, might be a book study, might not need a book. But then in addition, we have fine arts programming, and that's where we're going to be adding something. And these are ongoing, ongoing excuse me, groups that meet once a month. Uh, we've got Music Share on Fourth Sundays, uh, needle crafts, third Sundays, that would be today, I think. Um, two things um, we'll, we'll be offering on second Sundays, poetry forum and spiritual cinema. And then the new one, which I'm going to talk about today, is uh, narrative literature, the great stories. Okay, and that will be me plus some other people. Uh, and the, the format for that, there won't be any homework or reading ahead of time. It'll just be the ancient uh, art of storytelling, the way cultures share their values and transmit their values generation to generation and build a sort of a bonding identity. And uh, it'll be like campfire style, you know, the facilitator, whoever it might be, uh, tell a story, just tell a story. You know, not read it, you know, maybe throw in a few little things of their own. It's a creative process, um, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, and then discuss the story, you know, how it impacted on the people in the group uh, in that class. So today you'll have a chance uh, to see what that's like. I'm going to share a story. And, uh, and then during service reflection, if you like, we can talk about it or other parts of the service, whichever you like. Okay. Um, now, uh, the story that I'm going to share with you today is Parsifal and the Search for the Holy Grail. Now, there are a lot of versions of this story. You may have heard a version different from the one I'm going to tell you, okay, because I'm going to use the one from Wolfram von Eschenbach, a medieval poet, German poet, and, uh, and I'm going to sprinkle in a few other things. Uh, there's also um, uh, Richard Wagner uh, operatic version, which is quite different from the medieval epic. Uh, there are British versions where Parsifal was Percival of the a Knight of the Round Table. Uh, who can forget the Monty Python version? Monty Python and the Holy Grail, there you go. Yeah, great literature, very inspiring. Uh, Robin, Robin Williams even did a movie based on this called The Fisher King. You know, so they've just been all kind of versions of this story. So the one you're going to get uh, from me is I'm going to do the Wolfram von Eschenbach version and sprinkle in a few other things. Um, <clears throat> and you're going to realize how much material George Lucas got from this story for Star Wars. I mean, it reminds me of that great quote by T.S. Eliot uh, where he said, uh, minor poets borrow and major poets steal. Okay, <laughs> it's good material, go for it. Anyhow, we're going to start this story where Parsifal, this is way back in the Middle Ages, the King Arthur times, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Parsifal is a teenager, he's like 18 years old, and he's living on a farm with his mother, Herzelida. 
which is German for suffering heart. And it's just the two of them, and they're not serfs, they're free commoners, it's their farm. Uh, and uh, Herzleiter has never told Parzival who his father is. He never knew his father, because uh, his father was actually a great knight and a great warrior who went over on the Crusades to Palestine and never came back. And Herzleiter does not want Parzival to know who his father is. All right, sound like Darth Vader? Okay, anyhow, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he does not want Parzival to be a knight. Wants Parzival to live on the farm, have a quiet, safe life, and uh, you know, with an 18-year-old, you know where that's headed. Right? <laughs> Parzival wants to get out of there. He wants to see the world. So uh, he's out in the garden one day, and along come these three knights, armor bristling with weapons on their mighty steeds. And so, if we could. Okay, here come the three knights, anyhow. Uh, and one of them says to Parzifal, he says, boy, fetch me some water. Parzifal, being an appropriately surly teenager, you know, developing his own independent identity, uh, says, get the water yourself. I'm a free commoner, I'm not a serf, you can't boss me around. And so the, the chief knight says, what we have here is a failure to communicate. No, well, not really, but you know. Um, <laughs> says, well, boy, we're going to teach you a lesson. And so the three of them get off the horses, and they're marching toward Parzifal, and he picks up a big stick, and he just, you know, whacks the stew out of all three of them, you know? And, you know, like, the force is strong with this one. He's, he's really, really good, okay? He's good at this kind of thing. Uh, so then Chief Knight sits up, and he says, Boy, would you like a job? <laughs> Uncle Arthur wants you. No, it's, uh, you know, it said, we'll bring you to Camelot and train you to be a great knight. You obviously have a lot of potential. And he's all excited, and he goes to tell his mama, and Herzlite is, of course, heartbroken at this point. Uh, she does not want this to happen, but she knows she can't stop him. So he goes off to Camelot and goes through all the training to be a, you know, a page and then a squire, or maybe it's the other way around, a page squire and then a knight, he is a great knight, you know, and depending on which version of this story you read, if it's a German version, Parzival is the greatest, if the French version, Lancelot is the greatest, and the British version, I don't know who's the greatest, I mean, but you know, like I say, there's so many versions of this story. Um, but anyhow, he becomes a, a great knight, and then he goes out on his knight errantry, and that's where knights kind of patrol around, according to the legends. And they, uh, so, so he's riding around. Yep, yep, here comes Parzifal riding through the countryside. He's uh, saving damsels in distress, locked in high towers by evil wizards, uh, chasing off dragons that are burning farm fields. You know, all the usual stuff that knights do, okay? And meanwhile, during all of this, he is searching for the Holy Grail. And there are a lot of versions of this, too. In some stories, it's a stone. In some stories, it's like the chalice of Jesus at the Last Supper, you know, that kind of thing. So anyhow, but he's also a smart guy. So he asks questions. He investigates. Uh, he comes up to the bridge with the troll underneath that says, to pass, you must answer three questions. What is your favorite color? No, no, that's another, sorry. That's the Monty Python version. Um, <laughs> anyhow, uh, anyhow, so he, he ends up finding the Fisher King, the Grail King. Okay, he finds this guy, okay, with the Holy Grail. And he goes in there and he presents himself and he says, I am the great Parsifal. I have learned everything my culture has taught me a man should do. I am a mighty warrior. And the Fisher King says, you're a punk, get out of here. 
what, you know, but, but I've, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. You're unworthy of the grail, get lost. And then the castle disappears and Parsifal is sitting there. What, what just happened? And he has this crisis. Have all the values I've been taught, are they, they wrong? The Fisher King told me they're wrong. And so he's plodding along and he just having this huge crisis. He doesn't know what to think. And another thing that the knight errant and the knights errant like to do is when they meet up with each other, they have great fun by knocking each other off their horses, you know, jousting, kind of keep their skills up. <clears throat> so anyhow, and he always beats everybody he comes across. Well, he, in his, as he's going along, he runs into this knight dressed in red armor, uh, and they, they joust, and this guy beats him. And he says, well, who are you? How can you, I mean, I'm the best of the best, you know, how can you beat me? So they, they take their helmets off and chat for a while, and this knight that defeated him has dark skin. And Parsifalda says, I've never seen anybody like you. Who are you? And he says, well, I was born in Palestine. I'm the son of a, um, a knight uh, from the Crusades, a Christian knight who came over and took up with a Muslim woman in Palestine. I am their son. You can see where this is headed. Um, and then they get to talk, and, and Parsifal realizes this is his brother. Okay, this is his half-brother. And so Parsifal is really having a crisis now. The Fisher King tells me I'm a punk. Okay, my Palestinian enemy is actually my brother. What in the world am I going to do with this? You know, and he's having like to kind of rethink all of his values. <clears throat> so anyhow, he goes uh, clopping along some more. And he, okay, and he comes across a, a cave with a hermit in there who looks very poor with his stew pot and all that kind of stuff. Ah, you see Yoda. No, wait a minute. That's another version. Okay, anyhow, uh, the guy invites him in, and Parsifal talks to him, and he says, well, well, what are you doing? And the hermit says, well, I'm doing penance. I'm trying to learn humility, because I was a great knight, a great lord, and I hurt a lot of people, and I'm now doing penance for that. And Parsifal stays with him for about two weeks in the cave, and they talk about all of this kind of stuff. And Parsifal finally is trying to put things together in terms of how he's supposed to live. So he wanders back to the castle of the Fisher King, okay? And the Fisher King has a wound in his side that will not heal. You know, kind of like Frodo, Lord of, end of Lord of the Rings, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, obvious symbolism there. And anyhow, he comes to the, um, the, the, the Fisher King, and this time, when he meets, he meets him this time, he says what is one of the most famous lines in all of German literature. Uh, drum roll, please. Okay. And he says to the Fisher King, Mein Herr, was fehlt Ihnen? My Lord, what ails you? And the Fisher King says, Parsifal, you are now worthy because your first thought was not of your own pride. It was for the suffering of the person in front of you. You now have found the Holy Grail. It is simple compassion. And now may the blessings of life be upon us and upon this congregation. May the memories we gather here give us hope for the future. May the love that we share bring strength and joy to our hearts. 
and the peace of this community be with us until we meet again. Go in peace and enjoy your week. Unitarian Universalist Metro Atlanta North Congregation of Roswell, Georgia, thanks you for listening to the Human Podcast. Background music, courtesy of Tim Moore from Pixabay.